It was a busy news weekend for the Atlanta Braves as they made a trade of Jake Odorizzi. They also signed a couple of relievers. There are some Ron Acuna Jr. rumors, trade rumors floating around out there. And Michael Harris wins NL Rookie of the Year. We have a ton to talk about on today's episode of Locked on Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked on Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I'm your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube if if you are new. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell as it does help support the show a ton when you do that. And as always, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and we're free and available on all platforms. Got a lot to talk about. I was on vacation over the weekend, and of course, Braves have a lot of breaking news. We'll talk about the Jake Odorizzi trade, a couple of reliever signings with Nick Anderson, and Jesse Chavez coming back. And then I want to get into the Ronald Acuna Jr. trade rumors that sparked up over the weekend and some curious comments from Matt Vaskurgeon of MLB Network. I want to dive into those as well. So as always, thanks if you're here watching live. Let me know your comments in the chat section. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, be sure to comment down in the comment section below, and I'll be sure to get back to you there. But let's start with the good news, the great news, and that is Michael Harris wins NL Rookie of the Year. Spencer Strider coming in second. Not much of a surprise. We talked about it a lot that this race could have gone either way, in my opinion. But because Michael Harris plays every day uh, over somebody like Spencer Strider, a starting pitcher, you know, pitching every fifth day, that just tends to lean into the favor of the position player. And it's why I think most people thought Michael Harris would, would win this award and he did win it pretty convincingly. The, the overall numbers, you know, pretty tight, but he got 22 of 30 first place votes. Spencer Strider received the other eight. And then Michael Harris also had eight second place votes as well. So all 30 riders that voted had him either first or second. And like I said, 22 of them had him first place. So, pretty convincingly the NL rookie of the year. And it's really hard to argue with that, especially when you take into consideration what him coming up meant to this Braves team. I mean, they were a struggling team when Michael Harris came up and then the Braves really took off when he came and started in center field and batting at the bottom of the lineup and really turning that lineup over, playing gold glove level defense. Still just cannot believe he was not a gold glove finalist, but We know those awards are coming in the future, but for right now, he gets one of the biggest ones in becoming NL Rookie of the Year, first Brave to do it since Ronald Acuna Jr., not too far back. And I mentioned this before, but with Michael Harris finishing second, Spencer or Michael Harris finishing first, and Spencer Strider second, the Braves become the first team to have players finish first and second NL Rookie of the Year since the Braves did it in 2011 with Craig Kimbrell 
and Freddie Freeman. So just really remarkable with the Braves are the last two teams to do this. And just what an incredible year it was for Michael Harris. Spencer Strider, I mentioned, finished second place. He had those eight first-place votes, the first-place votes that Michael Harris didn't get. 21 second-place votes. One writer decided to leave Strider off the ballot altogether. Not really sure how you do that, but somebody chose to do so. Uh, but he had, again, eight first-place votes, 21st, 21 second-place votes. And to me... Look, we knew it was going to be one, two. We knew it was most likely going to be the order of these guys. But MLB Network did a 200 or a two hours of really struggling with words. I've been driving all day, but um, MLB Network did a two hour special just to announce these awards, which I think is a little ridiculous. But I did enjoy watching the interview with Spencer Strider. And I loved hearing him talk about his pitches and Al Leiter asking him, you know, are you working on developing another pitch? And I didn't realize, and I went back and watched obviously his videos last year and I could see he was trying to develop a, a slider, kind of like a curveball at times, but I didn't understand that just until last summer, he really started working on that slider and you see how great it's already become. And Al Leiter asked, you know, are you going to work on a third pitch? And he said, yeah, that was a plan coming into this year that he really wanted to work on that changeup to give him a third pitch. But, and I'm obviously paraphrasing, Spencer Strider just said, I didn't need it. And, you know, he didn't say it, you know, arrogantly, like I'm kind of portraying it, but he didn't. I mean, that's just the, the fact of the matter. He was able to dominate all year long with two pitches, basically a fastball and a slider. But he said, you know, he is working on that changeup. He wants to develop that third pitch and knows he's going to need it. That is huge for me because, I mean, I think he's going to be great even as is, but if he can develop a third pitch, another pitch to put in the mind of hitters, I just think that takes him to a Cy Young type level. And he talked about that change up and trying to develop it and know he's going to have to use it a little bit more and trust it. He just said it's a pitch, you know, he doesn't have full command of right now that he's still working on to be more consistent with, but, it was just glad for me to hear that, that he is working on that third pitch and just honestly didn't need it this year and was dominant without it. So uh, I loved hearing that part of the interview. I love hearing Spencer Strider just talk uh, about baseball. I think he's just a smart player. And that kind of leads into my next point. What is the ceiling for these two? And for Spencer Strider, I honestly think he has the higher ceiling of the two. I believe he has the potential to be a Cy Young winner someday definitely in the discussion of winning a Cy Young I think that highly of Spencer Strider because I just think he is such a, a smart pitcher I think obviously he has the pitches to get it done he talked about during the interview as well kind of modeling his slider at least after Jacob deGrom but you know this is how Jacob deGrom dominates he has that fastball in the, the upper 90s you know 100 miles per hour that he'll throw up and into righties and then crash that slider down and away and you see how dominant DeGrom is and DeGrom is dominant with it because he can locate it I mean he can dot the paint with 100 miles per hour at ease and I think Strider can get to that level he can he can incorporate that change up I think he can get to that type of level. I'm not saying he's going to be Jacob deGrom, but I think he can certainly be in that Cy Young conversation like Jacob deGrom is every single year. My only real question or concern with Spencer Strider is 
the durability. Um, you know, he is Quadzilla. We know that his lower half is strong as can be, but you know, he is a little bit of a, a shorter frame. How does he hold up over 175 innings in a season? Does he get to that 200 inning level? And can he maintain this type of dominance, that type of velocity throughout? That's still a big question for Spencer Strider. So I'm not saying it's going to happen next year, may not even happen in the next two years, but he continues on this path that he's on and he continues to get stronger. I think he has the the capability to get to Cy Young level. And Kate Harrington in the chat asking, has he had Tommy John? He did. He had Tommy John at Clemson in college. So hopefully that's behind him. And hopefully, you know, we can see many successful, healthy years for Spencer Strider. And I think that's the case. And he just continues to get stronger, continues to work on developing that third pitch. I, I don't see any reason why he can't win a Cy Young someday. I mean, the, especially the numbers he had this year were just so dominant. I mean, it's hard to imagine him being able to replicate that over 175, 200 innings. But I would not. I would not doubt it. And I wouldn't doubt Michael Harris either. Look, I love the kid. I'm just because I, I'm saying Strider has the higher ceiling. It's not that I don't believe in Michael Harris. I think he has all the confidence in the world to be, you know, a great player. I see him being somebody who makes several all-star teams. I'm not sure if he's ever an MVP type candidate. Part of that, I think, could be he's going to be in an outfield with Ron Acuna Jr., who I believe is going to be, you know, perennial perennial MVP candidate once he gets back to full health. But I still see Michael Harris being a guy who makes several all-star teams. We know he's going to win several gold glove awards. I think the offensive potential is still a little unknown with Michael Harris. Obviously, it was great this year, but can he can he repeat that in 2023? I mean, he was great in the minors offensively for sure, but just a handful of games at double A, you know, can he continue the offense that he had in 2022? Does that, can he replicate that in 2023? Is he a 2020 type player? Can he be a potentially 30, 30 type player? I mean, he was one home run away from having a 2020 season this past year. So again, I think the potential is unlimited for Michael Harris. I just believe I can see the path there for Spencer Strider to be a Cy Young caliber player. I don't quite see it yet with Michael Harris, but I'm not saying it's it's not possible for sure. Again, I think the kid is still young, 21 years old. I think we still have yet to see his full potential, what he can be. Can he be an Acuna type player, five tool player? Um, I certainly think you know that he's capable of it. So I'm really excited about the future for both of these players. Wish they both could have won the award, wish they could have somehow split it or gave a a hitter and a pitcher award because they both were very deserving, but really excited about the future for these two young Braves players. All right, next we're going to talk about Acuna, talk about the trade rumors that sparked up over the weekend. Are they real? What is going on there? We'll discuss that next. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. After you listen to this one, go over there and give them a listen we're, we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. 
Bet online where the game starts. So I had a tweet sent to me over the weekend about quote unquote source that said the Braves were considering trading Ronald Acuna Jr. Look, I don't ever want to throw shade at anybody out there trying to break news, but there are very few people in this industry that I trust and take seriously. Um, I think that tweet, right or wrong, whatever, gained fuel by the fact that Matt Vaskurgeon on MLB Network on back-to-back days mentioned potential turmoil in the Braves clubhouse because of what Ronald Acuna Jr. is making in comparison to what other players are making and potentially Dansby Swanson if they signed him back. And he even went as far as to say that he believes or somebody in the Braves organization believes that Danzy Swanson gets preferential treatment over Ron Acuna Jr. I've always loved Matt Vaskurgeon. I really have. I think he's he's funny. He's witty. I love him on MLB Network, not so much as a, a play-by-play guy, but I've always just liked his wit and his humor as an MLB Network, I don't even want to say analyst, but uh, just a host and what he does these comments are are just terrible. I, I can't believe he's saying these things that he's saying on MLB Network. I, if you have a source, I, I need you to share it because what he's saying is just completely outlandish. It is, in some ways, shaming a Braves organization. It's throwing dirt on the Braves organization that they would somehow show preferential treatment to one player over another. Ron Acuna Jr. accepted the deal that he made. You know, right or right or wrong, whatever to him, it was the right move. It was a deal that set him up financially for life. And if if he wants to be upset about that, that is that is on him. But let me say this: there is no reputable source out there that covers the Braves that has mentioned one thing about Ron Acuna Jr. being upset about his contract that that Ron Acuna Jr. is upset with how the organization treats other players on the team. There is not one reputable source out there that is saying this. This is all speculation and rumor, and it's why I cannot believe Matty V is saying this on air and just stirring the pot and, and creating rumors and, and just false indication where uh, there is none. And two days in a row, he doubled up on it. It's somewhat maddening to me to hear him say that. Somebody that I like and enjoy in the baseball industry. You just, you cannot do that. Again, there is no reputable source in the Braves organization that has reported any type of misgivings from Ron Acuna Jr. Or any any possibility of the Braves wanting to trade him or that there's turmoil in the clubhouse. And, you know, if it comes out and that's the case, then I'll, I'll believe it when, you know, DOB Bowman, somebody that covers the Braves every day actually says it. But to this point, and even those people who I just mentioned said they've heard none of that. I, I can't believe something that an MLB network host who covers teams on the West coast would say about a Braves clubhouse and to report it as if he's hearing that 
from somebody within the Braves organization. That is that is just terrible by Matty V to even bring this up and to make that type of accusation is just wrong. And and borderline does, deserves an apology or at least some clarification because the comment that he made, and it was the second clip I saw, the comment where he made about there being preferential treatment towards Dansby Swanson over Ronald Acuna Jr., that to me needs to be explained, followed up on, maybe even apologized over. And I hate that we're in a society where you have to apologize for everything that you say, but you just you can't say that out loud in a blanket statement about an organization, about a situation, unless you have firsthand knowledge from somebody giving you that. Uh, I just, I can't believe the comments that he said, but let me say this. I, there is no way, and I'm going to say this, and then if it happens, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly eat these words. There's no way the Braves are trading Ronald Acuna Jr. In fact, all of this led to Ken Rosenthal doing his deal diligence, somebody I do trust, and he checked in on this and said that the Braves are not have no intention of trading Ron Acuna Jr. Why would you trade a 24-year-old superstar on a team-friendly deal? What kind type of value are you going to get back in return for that? And why would you trade that? Somebody who I think is the best player on this team when healthy. And if you want to argue or you want to give me a counterpoint to that, let me know in the comments or in the chat section. But why would you even entertain the idea of trading somebody who loves baseball so much that he's going back to his home country and where he really just wants to play this winter? He just wants to play the game and he loves playing. He is always laughing, smiling. He brings so much energy. You want to trade that? I, I just, I don't buy it. I, I can't believe the comments from Matty V. I can't believe this was even a, a, a rumor. Uh, wherever it was started, you know, I, I just cannot believe we're even discussing this and that some people are in or even entertaining the idea of it. But everybody's entitled to your own opinion. Let me know in the chat section, in the comments, you disagree. I, I just, I think it's all, I think it's all terrible speculation and rumor during a long, cold off season and people that need something to talk about. That's all I can imagine at this point. But again, Rosenthal, somebody I trusted. He did his due diligence. He checked his sources. I trust his sources. They said the Braves have no intention of trading Ron Acuna Jr. As far as Matty V's comments, if there is any turmoil in the clubhouse over what other players are making and that players are making more than Ron Acuna Jr., that needs to be settled in the clubhouse. And one thing that Matty V just fails to mention here, uh, this is Dansby Swanson's last contract. This is all he's going to get. Ron Acuna Jr. is going to hit free agency again, whether at 28 or 30. He's going to get another deal, and he's probably going to make mega bucks. He has more money coming. He has another deal coming. This was just Ronnie's first deal. So, I mean, that, that comment just really ticked me off. I can't, I can't believe that Matty V said that twice, back-to-back -back days on air. I think it's absolutely absurd and ridiculous. So, I apologize. We even had to spend this much time on it, but Braves are not trading Ron Acuna Jr. I really doubt there's any turmoil in the clubhouse at all. Um, if there is, that needs to get settled out, settled in the clubhouse. But again, I think that's just rumor 
and speculation. Matty B wants to follow up on it, give us an actual source or something uh, or clarify his statements. That would be great. But until I actually hear somebody that I trust in that covers the Braves report that I, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't believe it. So that's that. Hopefully we don't have to really discuss ever trading Ron Aguna Jr. Again, I hope he's with the Braves for the rest of his career. Next, I want to talk about the Jake Odorizzi trade. Got some signings coming up as well. Uh, or some signings that were made over the weekend for the bullpen. Want to discuss those as well. Uh, we'll get into that here next. So while I was on vacation over the weekend, got a word of a trade that the Braves made, sending Jake Odorizzi to the Texas Rangers. Really caught me off guard. And like I said, I was traveling at the time and on, on vacation with my wife, so didn't really do a lot of digging and research on it. But Braves traded Jake Odorizzi to the Texas Rangers for Colby Allard and $2 million. Now, the part that I was missing the night that all these tweets happened and it was later confirmed, Jake Odorizzi did choose to pick up his $12.5 million player option, which you know I was a little... First of all, I was a little surprised he took it, that he, he didn't think he could get more than $6 million in free agency, which is all he really needed to get. And that was the first kind of shock to me, but there's no way the Braves you know, make that deal before he obviously makes his decision. So apparently the decision was made. It was never even really reported by the Braves, and then they decided to trade him. <laughs> this kind of makes me think that Alex Anthopoulos maybe thought this was happening, and he already had you know, discuss the trade with the Rangers. I mean, it happened so quickly. I almost feel like Alex was on top of it and said, you know, talk to the Rangers before it, say, hey, if Odorizzi picks up this player option, what can we do? I mean, it happened so quickly. You almost have to think that that's the case here. Um, I get the Braves. I, I get you had to, especially once you picked up the player option. You had to trade them, try to save as much as you can here. Only able to save $2 million. They're eating $10 million of that going to Odorizzi. I thought that was a little much. Um, you know, it was about $4 million less than what I was hoping to save with Odorizzi. Had he not picked up his player option, the Braves could have saved about $6 million by him doing that. So with him picking it up, they only save about $2 million, or they do only save $2 million by trading him to the Rangers. Like, had to trade him and had to get something for him. So I don't hate the deal, but again, it's even less than what I was hoping to save uh, with the Odorizzi situation. As far, as far as Colby Allard is concerned, he does have a minor league option, which is huge, and he'll just create more depth in the starting rotation. He's probably 10th uh, in that pecking order. The Braves already are pretty deep in the starting rotation with all the guys they have down there, but you know can never have too much starting pitching depth, so Allard will certainly... Uh, add to that a guy that's obviously been in the Braves organization before was once a pretty high prospect for the Braves and started several games for the Rangers with a uh, mixed success there, but more bad than good. So again, he'll just kind of slot in as some starting rotation depth, but biggest part there is you save a couple million dollars trading Jake Odorizzi, opening up that roster spot. Braves extended the qualifying offer to Dansby Swanson, obviously not expected to pick that up. Braves will get a, a pick, a draft pick after the comp B round if Dansby does sign elsewhere. So that's very important if he does leave to go somewhere else. 
Braves made a couple of signings for the bullpen over the weekend. They signed Nick Anderson to a split deal. He'll make $875,000 if he's in the majors and $180,000 in the minors. He was really good for the Rays. Some of you may remember in 2019, 2020. Then he got injured, only pitched in 17 and a third innings last year. But a buy low deal for a guy who was one of the best relievers not too long ago when he was healthy. So certainly hoping for a bounce back there. And then the Braves brought back Jesse Chavez. Probably everybody could have guessed this signing, uh, making your predictions this offseason that the Braves would bring back Jesse Chavez. It is a minor league deal. He'll make $1.2 million if he makes the Braves roster. Hopefully he can find some of that magic again coming to spring training competing for a roster spot so glad to see jesse chavez at least be back for some portion of the braves in 2023 and i mentioned these moves because you look at the deals that edwin diaz made and robert suarez with the padres those are some big deals given out to high level relievers so probably best to stay away from the top of the reliever market and i said early on people asking about will the Braves sign can Kenley will they they go after a top reliever I don't think so I, I said at the beginning of the offseason I don't see them spending more than five million a year on a reliever this offseason I don't even know if they do that now I think they they get some of these low guys with some high incentive type deals and see if they can bounce back like Nick Anderson like they're hoping with Kirby Yates you get one of those guys to bounce back you got you know obviously Iglesias mentor Lee already out there um, so, I mean, you have a solid bullpen already, McHugh. So I, I just see Alex buying some more of these buy low type guys, try to you know prove it on a, a one-year deal, uh, maybe some incentives in there. Uh, Mass Boot mentioning Luke Jackson uh, as well as a potential you know candidate that you could buy low, let him try to prove it, see so he works his way back from injury. Those are the type of reliever signings I see happening. I don't see Alex signing anything big reliever-wise this year so if that's the case i like the deals that he's doing here christopher uh chris chaffee asked him will the braves take a risk on kimbrell i, I don't think so because i think kimbrell's gonna get five six seven million maybe and again i just at this point I, with the way the reliever market is i just don't see the i don't see alex going into that that arena right now spending you know that much on relievers when there's a lot of other holes that that need to be filled um all right, we'll go back through the comments here. Sorry, I went a little long today. We had a lot to talk about, so uh, not going to be able to get to all these comments. But uh, Joe Meese says, pitching always trumps hitting, and Strider's going to get a Cy Young or two. I agree, his ceiling is absolutely uh, best of the pitchers, and I think Mike is just a level behind him and an all-star, not an MVP. Uh, so I'm right there with you on that. Uh, A.J. Evans says, shortstop greater than a corner outfielder. I would agree with that. I, I prioritize a shortstop position very highly. Uh, Matt Mock said he didn't enjoy the MLB Network piece either. I still can't believe Matt Evie said that. Um, and I just watched the second clip that he had and that I hadn't seen. I saw the first one, but the second one he had is just uh, even worse. Um, Kate Herrick said, it's the most valuable contract in Major League Baseball, talking about Acuna. Um, yeah, I agree. It's a great contract. Brace would be absolutely stupid to to trade to trade that contract and that talent. Um, 
Sorry, a couple more here. Docs fan says, nobody loves playing baseball more than Ronald. I truly believe he has no problem with his contract, which is why he signed it in the first place. Look, if anybody in that clubhouse wants to be upset about a contract they signed, it's Ronald's best friend, Ozzie Albies. I mean, that contract is just ridiculously low for the talent that he has been. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think there's any any qualms there. I think that is national media trying to stir up the pot. Um. Let's see. Question one from Hines says, this may sound uh, dumb, but because the Braves have a full 40-man roster, would you be surprised if we dropped Colby, given how terrible he's been to free up a spot for a free agent signing? Uh, This is something we hadn't really got to. The Braves added a couple of guys to their 40-man roster, but there's still some players they need to protect here, uh, I believe by tomorrow, in order to say uh, protect them from the Rule 5 draft. So there will be some... 40-man roster maneuvering tomorrow for sure because I think there's at least two players and no at least one, Darius Vines, that needs to be added to the 40-man roster to protect them from um, the Rule 5 draft. So we're going to see some 40-man roster maneuvering tomorrow that we'll certainly talk about on Tuesday's episode. Uh, Joseph's recap, you really see Dansby walk, and I do at this point. Look, he reached free agency. Uh, I still think the Braves find a way to bring him back, but it would not surprise me at all. If he does go somewhere else, um, Matthew Anderson says more than likely need another lefty since Matic is down it means Mentor Lee are the only two down there. Like the Astros just won a world series with Will Smith as their only lefty and they didn't even use them. If your bullpen guys are good enough, they can get out righties and lefties. So having two in there and two really good ones and Mentor and Lee, I think the Braves are fine uh, with that. Uh, AJ Evans says, wouldn't it be outrageous if they signed Jason Hayward for the bench for outfield? I had somebody else tweet this to me over the weekend. Look, I would love to bring Jason Hayward back. He's one of my favorite Braves players. And look, I think he'd be better than Guillermo Heredia on the bench. And I think with the shift going away, perhaps it helps Hayward out a little bit. But I think Hayward can cover all three outfield spots and still play really good defense. He can run into a home run and give you some left-handed pop off the bench and again you know perhaps with the shift going away he comes up with a few more hits that likely no i think sam hilliard probably fills that role they already traded for him so i don't think it happens but i wouldn't necessarily hate it uh, to give him you know opportunity to win that bench spot you know between him and hilliard and heredia um all right this second question here from Hines says do you think nick anderson returns somewhat to his closer status we saw in 2020 World Series for the Rays. I think if you add Taylor Rodgers, we had a top three, three bullpen in the MLB. I just said I don't think the I don't think AA signs any big relievers, so I, and I think that includes Taylor Rodgers. But I do think there's an opportunity for Nick Anderson to bounce back and be maybe not quite to that form um, that he was, you know, previously. But I think he can be a, a really good reliever, make some good. Um, get some big outs for the Braves this year. I certainly think that's that's possible and now that he's a little bit further removed from his surgery. So I definitely definitely think so. And that's why I think it's a good signing as a buy low signing. Even if he gets to the majors, you're not paying him over a million. And if you get anything close to what he was with the Rays, I think that's a a great signing. So uh, again, apologize couldn't get to everybody in the chat there, but put your comment on YouTube. I'll make sure to get back to you there. But that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thank you for making Locked On Braves your first listen of every day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On MLB, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective talking about the biggest stories from around the league. 
Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 